to an exclusive on Pod Hub Network. Your city, your podcast. To the delight of this crowd, McClendon marches down the dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks to the plate. Here's the throw. Wow. You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, welcome to Starbucks on a Tuesday. I am Anthony DiNardo. With me, as always, Jim Rosati. Jim, welcome to this beautiful Tuesday morning as uh, I guess we should let everyone know officially on the podcast and stream. Starbucks is now officially changed to Tuesday mornings at 7, so hola. Yeah, yeah, good morning. Um, and as you mentioned last night, you know, pretty big deal. It's huge. Everyone, <laughs> it's a change huge deal. your, change I mean, your schedules, adjust a, your time. Make sure you're breaking prepared. news. It is. Breaking news. Almost as breaking as Philip Evans becoming the rookie of the year. Slash Almost. MVP. Slash Cy Young. <laughs> you could win all three. It's a clean sweep. Silver slugger on both positions, obviously. Multiple positions. I mean, he's played, what, like four different positions, I think? Does... Right. I'm going to make myself sound stupid, I feel like, on this, because he's clearly been in the league before. Does Shohei Atani like? Can he qualify for the Silver Slugger at the pitching position? I never my thought about that until now. Is, I my guess is that you qualify for the position that you played the most at. So, so if he didn't pitch yeah. more than say he DHs, he's probably not eligible to be because that, that would be like if you had someone who played. Like both shortstop and right. second base, right? Right. I think whatever position he played more at is the one he would qualify for. That would be my guess. And that totally makes sense. And that's why he would not have qualified his rookie year, obviously. Um, that wouldn't be fair for uh, for pitcher. Well, I guess in, there is no American League pitcher silver slugger either. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And there it is. There you so, go. Now, if he were in the National League, I don't know. It, I guess it would fall under That would be interesting because, like, if he were, like, a full-time starting pitcher in the National League, would he qualify for the Silver Slugger at both? I don't know. Because I think, like you're saying, he still would have more time. Well, true, because he's a DH. Right. But theoretically, okay, so if he played right field. He'd probably have more yeah. time in right field. So he'd be qualified under right fielder and not a pitcher. Hmm. All right. Well, sorry then. There's one award that we figure Philip Evans can't win, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, oh, that sucks. Don't think he'd be eligible. But anyways, I guess moving forward. So, um, I don't know. Any updates to anything in your life? <laughs> um, you shaving that beard yet? Anything no? in my life? I'm super sore now. So, you know, with COVID, right? I um I stopped doing CrossFit. 
during COVID because I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to drive to the place and wear a mask while I'm doing all this stuff. So I just stopped doing it. That's why I stopped. And, uh, right. Exactly why I stopped. <laughs> and uh, I restarted it back up yesterday. So I'm super sore. Super sore today. But, uh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I figured, you know what? Vaccines rolling out. I, I uh, quarantine wasn't good on my uh, on my on my fitness regimen, <laughs> so yeah, right. let's get back at it. I need to do something here as well, but I doubt that'll happen. So I'll live vicariously through you. We're sore you today. Go. We worked out yesterday, both of okay. us. Okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I guess with that said, let's get into the show here. Um. It's, <sighs> I mean, in this season, we got to find positives, right? It's going to be a thing. We got to find positives. So one thing I think we can start off by saying that's positive, which we, I think both of us do intend or do typically enjoy to troll the Cubs a bit. The Pirates have won three games on this season, all three coming at the Cubs' expense. The Cubs can't beat the Pirates. Say it. It is what it is. The Cubs suck. You are right, Jim. Tyler, I think Tyler did, and I both took the over on the Cubs this year. You know, I said the pitching's, it, it's not good. We know it's not good, but the lineup's still formidable. It's good enough. And as an overall team, they're still solid. They'll get through. Their lineup looks awful. It's worse than the Pirates. It's way worse than the Pirates. At a point in time, their batting average was worse than the, the average pitcher. And I know it's a small sample. I get it. Again, anytime we get to troll the Cubs, you get to troll the Cubs. But the Pirates took two of three of the series this, this weekend. Um... Thoughts? Yeah, um, I think the Cubs are. Yeah, the the offense is definitely an issue. Now, I do think eventually, you know, we'll see them wake up a little bit. I saw a tweet last night. Somebody was like, "The Cubs are playing runs or lava," um, <laughs> like that. <laughs> but but uh, I think they lost again last night too. Um, yeah, to the Brewers. Lost to the Brewers. Yeah, six to three. Six to three. Um, but yeah, no, I think that team's in trouble. Like, I don't know. Just look, looking around the rest of the division, I think everybody else is better than they are. Um, and you saw the difference between like the Reds and the Cubs, right? I mean, the Reds just beat the brains out of the ball, um, and the Cubs just couldn't do anything against the Pirates pitchers. Um, and that's uh, a lot. Right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think uh, I think they're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, when I said that I didn't like them, I I meant it. I, I, I don't think they're that great of a team. And I don't think they're going to fare very well. And, and what was the crazy stat? The Pirates have won like eight series over the last almost like two years. Like not necessarily two years, but like close to two years and three of the eight have come against the Cubs. Yeah. The Cubs, I mean, their fall has, has come pretty hard from them. I mean, as viewed one time as a really, really good team and like this dynasty in the making, uh, I don't think this dynasty lasted as long as many Cubs fan had hoped for. And if we're talking about over and under, I mean, obviously with the pirates, they weren't going to be, they weren't pretty good this year. You know, I thought they'd be better than expected. Um, 
which they're not showing that yet. <laughs> but I thought they'd be better than expected. And of course, the trade deadline would come and they would go ahead and purge some people. And therefore, the wins totals would drop a little bit to normalize. And I feel like with the Cubs, I mean, I mean, they might be going and trading of this deadline as well. And, you know, when you got Chris Bryant, Rizzo, I mean, you got these guys, you know, Baez that are on their last deals last year, their deals. I mean, they might be gone too. And, and that's how they hit their under and look pretty bad this year. Um, <clears throat> but I guess let's pivot this back to the Pirates in itself. So the first game wasn't too good, but of course, you know, Saturday came and I think the highlight of this is Saturday of this Cubs series. The highlight is definitely Saturday. Mitch yep. Keller gets his start, you know, I, it's short season. I get it. You and I discussed about Mitch Keller. There seems to be some issues, you know, what's going on. A lot of it seems as if it's confidence. Like he's just afraid to pitch to these guys. He has his stuff, but he's timid. He's afraid. The body language, everything out there. And you came out here and said, what, Jim? He needed a win. He just needs to win. Just win, baby. And the Cubs come to town, and Mitch Keller goes out there and wins. Now, of course, with much help to the bats in the lineup, they got out to a pretty big commanding lead early on, which I felt – I mean, because it's the first – what, the first batter he walked on – Four or five pitches, didn't he? Yeah, he started off with a walk. And then from then on out, though, he looked great. Right. So that's what I want to allude to. Because, I mean, the, the very first batter up, and I tweeted, I was like, oh, looks like the same old Mitch Keller. Here we go again. But the Pirates did him some justice. They gave him a pretty commanding lead. And it seemed as if, right, like he got to settle down. He looked really, really good that game. The big thing that stood out to me, I mean, obviously the stats and overall, but I mean, he had 14 swing and misses. It's, it's again, like we know he has the stuff. The thing is, is he, he used it. You know, he, he attacked batters. The stuff still played. They couldn't hit him. And he looked actually really, really good that game. So a big positive for Mitch Keller we got going on, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome to see. Um, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. What was what was great to see, and we mentioned it. You know, we talked we talked about Keller for a while last week, but we talked about a couple things, and one of them was, hey, you've got the stuff, you just need to attack hitters, right? Um, and and he wasn't doing that before, whereas now, um, you saw on Saturday, he was he was around the strike zone. He was getting swings and misses big time with that high fastball. I mean, he he was peppering hitters with that fastball at the top of the zone, and they could not. They couldn't even. They couldn't even touch it. Um, like that fastball was just. It was working. It was working. Um, I'm trying to pull up like a. Uh, a stat cast thing with with him but i'm having a little trouble stat cast changed their scoreboards and stuff this year but yes um, that's been bothering the hell out of me it's, as the game is live I, and stuff i'm like i can't find yeah. what i want to see where is I'm it like, what are you, what's going on here um but no like he he um he looked good i mean the the curveball he was he was throwing for strikes the fastball that i said up in the zone was getting the swings and misses and he was pumping it like he was 96, 97 on that fastball up in the zone mm-hmm. and players just weren't able to touch it. I mean, they, 
he he was he was locked in. And like I said, that's what I meant when we talked about you know attacking hitters. Um, is you know go after them. You've got the stuff. You're better than they are. Like that's that's what you need to do. You need to be better than they are, um, and just let that stuff beat them. Uh, and he he did it. He did it on Saturday. He looked he looked great. It was it was even though like he's had good starts in the past, <clears throat> like I feel like that was his first start where he truly just. I mean, he dominated people, right? right for right. for for a few, he dominated. He had what seven strikeouts in the five innings, I want to say. Um, like he he looked real good, um, and yeah, it, it hopefully, hopefully, like I said, as I mentioned before, he just needed like that one outing. He needed that one outing where he where he pitched well, got his confidence back, got the win, won the game for his team. And hopefully that turns into something where he can be a little bit more consistent with that. Right. And, you know, I was with you last week and, you know, I didn't expect it to happen like right away. You know, I was in the studio like, all right, Mitch Keller's listening to Donardo and Jim here. And he's like, I got to just go ahead and attack hitters and get a win. And the Pirates are like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And they go out there on Saturday and do it. But it happened, yeah. you know, yeah. like everything that we talked about literally happened in front of our eyes. And that's one game. <clears throat> so, where does he go from here? <clears throat> now, obviously, he's got a pretty big challenge ahead of him. It's the San Diego Padres. I don't know if we're expecting a second win from him as well. <laughs> but, I mean, I know we've trolled the Cubs, and the numbers show us right now that the Cubs lineup has been really, really bad this year, right? But in theory, and let's get in, like, Mitch's head, it's still the Cubs lineup. Like, he still went out there and faced Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, you know, Wilson Contreras, it's still, I mean, those are still some some dudes, you know, and he went out there and he dominated them. So I can only imagine that's probably, like you said, it's a feel-good moment. You know, I went out there and I did it against these guys. And like you said, like, that's kind of what he needed. Maybe now he is going go ahead into San Diego, which is a, it's a whole other beast of a lineup, though. But it's like if he can go into San Diego and say, you know what, I did it against these guys. I can do it. You know, I attacked these guys and I had, like you said, seven strikeouts. 14 whiffs. I mean, they, they weren't touching my stuff. Let's go out there and attack Hosmer. Let's go out there and attack Machado. You know, let's see what I can do. Um, I, I think that's, to me, like this next start really means something, you know? So where does he go from here? He finally did it. Where does he go from here? Does he go against the San Diego Padres and clinch up again and, you know, try to try to work all around and nibble and nibble and nibble because he's afraid to line up? Or do you go out there and say, you know what? I'm Mitch Keller. Screw you, Eric Hosmer. I'm going to strike you out and do it. You know, much again to we made this comparison. It's like Oviedo. I mean, he just looks, he looks the part out there. Now, the results didn't come last night. That stinks. Um, I'm okay with it. He's a young pitcher. This isn't so much an Oviedo segment, but he still looked like I'm going to challenge you. And, you know, I, I want to attack the hitters. And that's what he does. And it's like, I wish we would get more of that in Mitch Keller. So, you know, his next start against San Diego, challenge these guys. Make them hit you. No, exactly. Um, I think that's that's the next step for Keller is hey, he's now seen he's now seen some success. And now can he can he replicate it? Yeah, his his start on I believe he starts Wednesday, the last game of the series. Wait. Monday, Tuesday, it's Thursday. I think he starts yeah, Thursday. Thursday. 
Um, he starts Thursday, so that will be interesting. So we'll have something to talk about. So NS9 Live, right after that game, it'll be – hopefully we've got, you know, a good Keller start to uh, to talk about. Right. And so the, so the good thing, right, the, I guess the positive in this, which works out for him, is so he does go up against and face Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock hasn't looked the same Chris Paddock as 2019 Chris Paddock. So it's like maybe the, the Pirates can once again jump out into a lead for the Pirates. Hopefully, hopefully, right? And kind of settles Keller down and can do the same thing. Um, so yeah, if there's a positive in that sense, we can say in a tribute to the Pirates will face Chris Paddock, who hasn't looked really good yet. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're, you're, you're kind of facing the weakest link there. Yeah, again, yeah. it's it's <laughs> it's still it's still, it's still Chris good. Paddock, so. <laughs> yeah, like I don't like this bad not, Chris Paddock is still better than pretty much any yeah. of the Pirates have in the rotation right now. But I'm not really ready to say Chris Paddock is a bust <laughs> by any means. But yeah, his first two starts haven't been amazing. Right. Again, it's it's the weakest link. You know, again, there's one positive out of four games, Mitch Keller goes up and has the best matchup of the four. So yeah. that could help. And hey, I mean, the Pirates were doing it last night to a degree against you Darvish. They were getting mm-hmm. some hits. They just weren't really capitalizing too much. Yeah. No, they, they got on base and stuff, yeah, but Darvish was able to, to do Darvish things to take care of it. Yeah. He, he took care I think of it. I saw, I saw somebody was like, you know, the pirates made Darvish look good last night. It's like, well, our Darvish is pretty good. <laughs> Probably because maybe Chris Darvish, Chris Darvish, maybe you Darvish is pretty good. He only yeah. uh, had like a what, like a one point nine eight ERA last year, even though it was small yeah, sample. He was, he was pretty good. Um, yeah. and, and and so with Darvish, um, I mentioned. It, it, how about last night too? You know, Darvish pitched well, obviously, but Trevor Cahill, Trevor Cahill looked good last night. Five innings, eight strikeouts, one run. He was basically matching Darvish inning for inning uh, until you know until they pulled. They pulled Cahill, and I'm guessing they pulled Cahill. He was at 82 pitches. He only made, what, one, maybe two spring training appearances? So I, I don't know say, necessarily think, how stretched two. out he is. Right. Uh, it may not have even been two. Um, I, mean, he got I think signed, one of them was like only like an week. inning. Yeah. So I wonder, I mean, because he was, he was on a roll. He looked good last night. Way yes. better than that Cincinnati start. I mean, that Cincinnati, it was just night and day. Um but no, Cahill, that was nice to see yesterday too. Because if, again, Cahill and Anderson, those are two guys where like we don't we don't need them necessarily to light the world on fire. But if they can put some games like this together, and and pitch into the sixth inning, right, and just just help save that bullpen. Because I said the bullpen, I feel like is just they're being worked a lot right now. Um, yes, and when the bullpen gets worked a lot you don't even really know, you know, your good relievers start becoming mediocre relievers and your mediocre relievers start becoming bad relievers. Um, you know, they're, those pitchers are in the bullpen for a reason and it's because they can't throw multiple innings. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we, the, the starters have done a good job. They did a good job in the Chicago series of going deeper. Right. Um, so, so we need to kind of keep that up. Those starting pitchers need to at least go five innings. And obviously, if they can pitch six or into the seventh, that would be ideal. I don't think we've gotten anybody into the seventh quite yet. 
Um, but I, we did get our first first few uh, into the sixth inning. Um, so it was before my birthday. So that's yes, good. Yes. Before my birthday. <laughs> yeah, it was actually relatively quick. I didn't think it was going to be this quick. So hopefully right. the starting pitchers can can continue to go a little bit deeper into games. And that way we don't need to be using these relievers too, too much. Sure. But honestly, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Like, let's get into Cahill. Uh, and, and for all the pitchers, I mean, we all know in, in baseball in general, there's a ramp up period. You know, we're still in the early parts, but Cahill probably more to extreme because, yeah, he was signed that night that we were supposed to have Alex Stump on, you know, when you didn't make it. And we had some technical mm-hmm. issues. And then it was like, well, never mind, because Cahill was just signed. I got to write an article. Um, yeah, I think, like you said, it was one, maybe two. I don't even think there was two starts in uh, in spring. So he's still ramping up to a degree. But something I want to bring up here. So Cahill had a terrible, terrible outing in Cincinnati. He comes out here against uh, the Padres. Again, the Padres. And has, honestly, I'm going to say, like, a magnificent start. For, for Trevor Cahill, like you said, he was brought in here basically to eat innings. We're not expecting him to come in here to truly be like a guy that you can flip at the deadline because he's pitching well, you know, like just get us innings. We need innings, get us by. So that way we can, you know, go to 2022 healthy. And he comes out here and does this last night. So it, this isn't so much, I guess, like is Trevor Cahill an ace type thing. This is more. So let's point this and pivot this to Cody Ponce has been on the IL. The Pirates announced that they're stretching him out. Uh, I think in, in like his last simulation or whatever, like he pitched three innings, something like that or whatnot. So they're trying to stretch him out. So when Cody Ponce comes back to this team, okay, I assume what they're talking about, they're stretching him out. They want him back as a starter. What does this mean for the rotation? Now, here's why this question is so weird, because it's not like this rotation is good. It's not like you have this problem. We don't have this problem. We have so many good arms and who gets booted. But let's be realistically for the Pirates' point of view. Who gets booted from this rotation or what's going to happen when Ponce comes back? Because guess what? Chad Cole was the opening day starter. Now, I know Chad Cole hasn't looked good. But, I mean, to be the opening day starter and then, like, by three starts, you're, you're taking out of the rotation. Right. It's pretty harsh. We know yeah. Cahill and Anderson are in here to eat innings. Both of them pretty much been promised like starting roles. Brubaker pitched a hell of a game as well. We want to talk about that Cubs outing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk and about Brubaker here in a bit. Yeah, There's Mitch Keller. So if Ponce is coming back and being stretched out as a starter, is there an odd man out? I don't, I don't think so. I could see a couple things happening. I could see a six-man rotation, right? Yeah. Um, I could also see maybe, if I said they, they they do that piggyback situation where maybe they, they just plan on Cool and Ponce piggybacking each other. I kind of like when you're doing the piggyback, though, to do like a right and, right and left. Like that, I feel like that Brault Cool piggyback is almost like a perfect scenario. They're sure. two totally different pitchers. They come from different sides. I just think that's a good match. Um, but I could see them maybe trying that as well. Because I think at this point, you've got to remember about the innings, right? So they, you know, in the NBA, they talk about, you know, workload management or whatever it right. is, right? Um, you know, th- that's, what they're gonna have to, that's what they're going to have to do with this pitching staff this year. Because 
And like, you're not going to tell Mitch Keller to go out there and throw 170 innings this year. Right. So how are you going to figure out a way to make sure that he doesn't do that? Cause if, you know, if Keller goes out there 32 times, he's going to throw 150, 160, 170 innings. Right. Um, so, so you got to figure out a way to either make someone like Mitch Keller only start 21 or 22 games, or you limit Keller in his starts so that he's only going four innings or so. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it'll be interesting to see <clears throat> how they how they manage this pitching staff. I don't know what they're going to do. There was some talk in spring training about a potential six inning, a six six man rotation. Right. There was some talk about potential piggybacking. So we saw that they've they've done the piggybacking in the past. I feel like we're going to see that at least at some point here, especially when Brawl, I mean, once Brawl comes back, then that's another guy. Right. Um, so I think we'll see that eventually here. I think we could see some, some six man rotation type stuff going on. Maybe not at the beginning of the year, maybe towards the middle or the end. I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, maybe Ponce is just going to be a long guy, you know, where, if a pitcher doesn't make it into the fifth inning and they come out in the third or fourth and you have Ponce coming in for like three innings. So I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do. Um, it could be, it could be a little bit of all of those things. It could be one of those things. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Yeah. I, I, you're right. Like that's the thing. I'm not totally sure either because, and again, it's not because someone just out there dominating, but I don't feel like anyone's lost the role to be in the rotation in that degree so far yet. Um, and again, like you said about innings, like there's a reason that Cahill and Anderson are here to put them in the bullpen kind of counteracts those, those reasons. Like you didn't sign Cahill mm-hmm. to this deal to get 40 innings out of him. You signed him to this deal to get a, you know, 150 out of him. So to put him yeah. in the bullpen doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And same with Anderson. So it seems like those guys are safe by default to a degree, you know, unless they mm-hmm. just absolutely pitch their ass out of that rotation. Um, so I can get it too. Like you right. did, you did mention they have discussed, they've talked about a potential six man rotation. So that makes sense. I mean, that limits starts by starters. That's a way you can preserve um, your rotation, but that doesn't really help out your bullpen too much if they're still all going five innings. So that helps or hurts the bullpen. Uh, a piggyback, like you mentioned, that that can help. Cool is a first list that out to my mind as well. Uh, you know, why does it go back to cool? I guess right, but. So if there's cool there, then what that does is that helps cool. That helps Ponce's arms, um, saves the bullpen a bit. Like that's almost like one of their days off. If they both can go eight innings, you need one guy out there to pitch that day in the bullpen for the most part. Um, and you're good. So that can save the bullpen. Uh, and like you said, then Brawl comes back. Maybe maybe it's a six-man with a piggyback in there. Maybe we have like, in a sense, seven starters, right? Maybe it's cool and, uh, and Brawl piggybacking. And we have, you know pawns in there as the sixth starter and you save both ends you save a little bit of rotation and the bullpen there the good thing is they have options i guess right it's gonna be one of those things maybe where it does mm-hmm. just work out you know i'm sure not everyone's gonna be healthy also by the time Brock comes back maybe someone's injured um but yeah those are definitely options i see um but i just want to put out there too like for the people that are saying like get rid of cahill or innocent i think they're they're almost locked for this rotation through the end of the season like almost regardless of their performance, unless it, like I said, it's just pathetic. They're mm-hmm. almost going to be a lock. I feel like it's always going to be at the expense of like a, a cool, a brault, a 
a brew baker such um but let's get you said we'll talk about brew baker let's talk about him he did the damn thing as well and that was on sunday right sunday against and he shut down the cubs lineup yeah so right after uh keller start brew baker came back and uh went one-on-one with trevor williams right so <laughs> it was a little interesting because I think I think Baker basically, <laughs> yeah. It was. I think I made the comparison like one. They both have the they have the exact same arsenal of pitches, right? They both throw the exact same pitches, um, and they both look like pirates. So no, I, I was like, these two are the same guy. I was like, Brew Baker has you know, a little bit better stuff than than Williams, and if you look at you know his fastball is probably about two to three miles an hour faster. Mm-hmm. You know, every, everything seems to be a little bit sharper on brew baker side than than uh, williams but they're pretty similar pitchers they you know that they're they're not necessarily neither one of you neither one of them is going to like be overpowering by any means but you know they they're going to rely on their command and and all that so i think brew baker did a great job on sunday of mixing in his pitches i think when i was looking at his chart you know, there wasn't really one pitch that he threw more than the other. He, he, he basically like had a split across the board. He was, he was really mixing his pitches. Well, yes. everything was working for him. Um, I would have liked to actually have seen him go maybe another inning. Um, but I also get, Hey, he's had some success, you know, let's go ahead and, and get him out. I wanted to see him finish that sixth inning, but I, I understand that decision. Um, and just right now, because you brought that up, uh, I totally agree. And it's almost like the Mitch Keller thing too. It's you mm-hmm. got them to this point where you can get them out of the game with confidence. They pitched well. Like, don't. I would like to as well, but it's still early. You don't have yeah. to. Like, don't let them go out there on a bad note. Like, don't let them leave. Like, oh damn it, you know, I could have had a great start, but mm-hmm. now I just gave up three runs. Even though we still got the win or whatever. You know what I mean? That's how I kind of felt with right. this too. Like, sure, I would like to, but. I think more importantly, they left this game with really, really good confidence and with a really good taste in their mouth. Yeah, no, I mean, he, again, he looked he looked great. Um, he he was, you know, soft contact. It's not like he was striking out everybody, um, but he did strike out. I mean, I think he was striking out uh, Baez like crazy, but Baez, just, Baez was striking out like crazy all over the place. Um, but I think Baez also hit. Uh, ball, ball into the bushes. So yeah. he, he did that. Um, he but left, no, he, he left something up. What was yeah, it? A changeup, right, I think. Right. Pretty high. It was, was a slider, slider, like right down the middle of the plate. Yeah, that was that was not good. But really, ever, ever since that, I think that was in the first inning. He put, mm-hmm. he left that in there, and then same thing as Keller. Kind of gave up that run in the first inning, and then um, after that, yeah, it was it was all good to go. It may have been a second inning home run, but it was early. Um, but again, same with Keller too. The offense got him at, got, got him some runs early, got him a lead. So that allowed him to, to maybe pitch with a little bit more conviction, attack hitters a little bit more. Um, because that was the other thing I noticed with, with Brubaker too, is he, you know, he was, he was around the zone. He, he wasn't walking people. He had one walk in five and a third innings. Um, so yeah, he was he was attacking people, letting his stuff play, and he was inducing weak contact. For sure. And you're right. So to go to his pitches, you're, he did mix it up. I mean, his slider he threw 20 times, his fastball 20 times, his sinker 18, then mixing the curveball at nine, change up seven times. And even like every pitch was almost like equally effective too. It wasn't like one pitch stood out. 
you know, like his slider was just looking remarkable today. It's like all this stuff looked good. Um, and he induced the 12 swing and misses. So like we talked about with Mitch Keller as well, like Brubaker doesn't have the Keller stuff by any means. I do like his stuff. It is better than, of course, Trevor Williams. Um, but it looked like he looked, it was really encouraging. Like he looked like he belonged up to, it was again, like it was a Cubs lineup that he shut down. Um, he made Baez look so silly. Um, and then Wilson Contreras a little bit there. Wilson Contreras had a bad game that game. <laughs> Contreras had a rough series. I feel like Contreras, he, um, I don't know if he did anything the whole series. Um, oh, he did some things. He... Maybe not so positive <laughs> things. My my favorite part about Sunday, yeah, was <laughs> Contreras, uh, Greg Brown, the entire game after Contreras got hit by that pitch and then just like, Walk to first with his bat in his hand, just all upset. Ray Brown was just like taking these little digs at Contreras the rest of the game. It was cracking me up. I know. Um, Seriously. I mean, his Greg Brown's <laughs> troll game that game was was pretty elite in that sense. Like but the, at the, same the, the degree, interference he, he at second. It. Yeah. Oh, he earned it. Yeah. The interference at second. That was <laughs> I just bad. remember Greg Brown was like, oh, and now Contreras, you know Contreras has got to be really upset now. Like that was the first words out of his mouth. Um, it was it was it was funny. Right. I enjoyed it. Right. I yep. always enjoy being the Cubs. Like if this team's gonna be bad, which you know, I think we all we all know that they are going to be pretty bad. Um hey, let's beat the Cubs at least. It's these moments that we have that you know the Pirates fans can cherish. Right? right, we're so terrible, yeah. and yet the Cubs couldn't beat us. <laughs> right, that's like that was like the whole thing of the weekend. It's like, God, how bad are the Cubs? <laughs> right, and then Wilmer Defoe goes yard. Right, send out those memes, Wilmer kids. Defoe. You lost to Wilmer Defoe. <laughs> you just got Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we can enjoy all those moments. But yeah, but back to Brew Baker. He did. He, he looked really effective. I mean, that was definitely encouraging. I felt as if anyone in the rotation that would make the move to the bullpen, it would be Brubaker. I feel, although the same as Cole, you know, I feel Cole can be a really good reliever. I feel Brubaker is probably destined to be a reliever in the future. But, I mean, after this start, he he shows he belongs in the rotation. So let's keep that going. Uh, But definitely very encouraging stuff from uh, JT Brubaker, that start. Oh, and, I mean, if if we were going to talk about Silver Sluggers, JT Brubaker. I mean, the guy doesn't miss. <laughs> He's just all he I mean, does is strike out guys and 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 hit some RBIs. That double was beautiful. Like fastball, he he slapped it the other way, you know, right on the chalk. Oh man, it was it was it was great. Um, yeah, no, he he helped himself out. He had that two run double, and then I think his next at bat, he had a fielder's choice that scored a run. Yeah. So. It was weak, yeah. you know, and actually it was a really mm-hmm. good play by Sogard. Wasn't that the play where, I mean, it's just like kind Sogard, of bounced like, over one tried... and he just caught it right at the base to tag out the guy? Well, Sogard was like, Sogard was like, actually like flipped it between his legs. I don't know if he, how effective it was, but that was what he was trying to do. He was trying to flip the ball through his legs to bias. So um, it ended up working. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a really nice play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought so, everybody was going to be safe for a second there, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to be an infield single." Um, but they they were able to get the one out, right? But they he drove in the run. He had three RBIs that game. I mean, three RBIs JT more Brubaker than more than Stallings. Everything more than yes, more than Stallings. 
<laughs> and I think he said that at the post game, right? Or someone he's like, I, I want to bring it up. I think Stallings. I think Stallings, oh, Stallings, Stallings was like, he's got more of the eyes than me now. <laughs> All right. Um, so then I guess let's more wrap the show up a little bit here. Uh, we talk about Keller. We talk about Rubaker. The talk of not just Pittsburgh, but the talk of MLB right now. I mean, we've got national writers that are honing in on this. The, as we all knew, the rookie of the year was going to be the Pirates to the basement, right? But obviously, we weren't talking about Cabrian Hayes. I and mean, we're over Cabrian Hayes, right? Done. Like, I think you put out there a little bit ago, which is, is more than true now. I mean, we're on the path of it's time to trade Hayes because we already have our third baseman in the future. It's, it's Thrillip Evans. Thrillip Evans is out there dominating everyone, and he showed it some more uh, last night in this Cubs series. He's a beast. He's an animal. Thrillip Evans is here to stay. MVP, Rookie of the Year. Also, as we mentioned, Cy Young Award. Unfortunately, not Silver Slugger for the pitcher, but it is what it is. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, he's crushing the ball. You can't ask for a better start. You know, we saw saw him, you know, I think for like nine games last year, 10 games, and and he looked really good. And then we had that unfortunate accident that, he was out for the year um but like this year yeah right this year he's just doing the same thing again like he's picked up right where he left off um i'm starting to even think now that like there was never like philip evans was never really competing for a spot on this roster like geez, he's he's one of the best players on this team um and it's just yeah uh, yesterday i think you know the rest of baseball kind of started taking note Right. So it started Mike Petriello, you know, started off in the morning. He was like, fill in the blank. Here's the leaders in hard hit rate per swing. And then he listed, it was like Aaron judge, Byron Buxton, who's just going off this year, Manny Machado, Ronald Acuna. And then who's better than all of them. And it was Philip Evans leads the major leagues in hard hit rate per swing. So, um, that's that's crazy, right? And, and I mean, I know we're we're still talking about an extremely small sample size, but of course, you know, he looks good up. He looks good up there. Like he he's got a good approach. He's not swinging at pitches out of the zone. He's it's not like he's just feasting on fastballs. I I think I brought this up yesterday too. Like like what Eric Gonzalez last year when we when we were kind of gushing over him and like oh he, Eric he's, Tatis Senior. He's basically <laughs> Tatis, right? Um, he was doing it against fastballs, right? Pitchers were throwing him fastballs and he was mashing them. And then once pitchers figured out, Hey, maybe we just throw this guy some breaking balls. Eric Gonzalez, you know, we saw what he did. He yeah. fell off a pretty steep cliff. Um, but like Philip Evans, it's not just fastballs. Yeah. He's hitting fastballs, but he's hitting breaking balls. He's sitting off speed pitches. Like he's, he's hitting everything right now and he's hitting everything hard. Um, so yeah, it, it's pretty cool to see. Um, I mean, he's, He's just one of those guys. I mean, he's just a late bloomer. You know, you you brought up the Garrett Jones comparison, and I like that comparison. Um, you know, obviously right-handed hitter instead of left-handed hitter, but you know, somebody who you know just never really got the chance in other organizations comes over here, starts being productive. Like, there's a I, I'm I'm starting more and more to think that Philip Evans like could be a productive major leaguer for 
the next four or five years. Like I'm starting to, to start, I'm starting to think that, you know? Right. So like the one thing I want to get on here and say a couple of things. Oh, for one, this just kind of goes out to everyone out there. We get small sample size. I understand the small sample size. It's not our fault that there's only been 10 games played this season, right? We have to talk about these 10 games. But the thing is, in those in those games, what Philip Evans has done, like you mentioned, is you are correct. Like he has looked the part, he has looked good. It's all been small sample. I mean, we talked about last year, it was just it was just 11 games, but those 11 games looked like the best player out there, and he did. But now we're here over to this year, and I know it's still just nine games, but in those nine games, he's looked like the best player out there. Like, and even with the Mets, it's all been small sample. You know, he played 19 games, 15 games, then 11 with the Pirates last year, nine this year. And, and pretty much all those samples, he's looked good. And we add the sum of the samples, right? The sum of all the parts. He's given us a stat line of 141 plate appearances, 320 batting average, 397 on base, like a 139 WRC plus, and over a war in 20 games he's given us 1.1 war for the pirates no i don't think philip evans is an eight war player right no i don't think philip evans is going to be out there competing for the batting title with a you know a 320 batting average and such um but what i can say is i have been impressed with what we've seen so far and for a guy who got i'm not saying personally him but it was like you know, he, he got like swept under the rug and indirectly was being discussed about because how is there no Todd Frazier on the team? Because really it's coming down to like Philip Evans or Todd Frazier, you know? So when all the talk is how can you not have Todd Frazier, you know, it was kind of a slight to Philip Evans because Todd Frazier should be here instead of him. And Philip Evans come out here and just shows what? That he's going to bat 406, have three home runs in nine <laughs> games. Oh, okay. We need Todd Frazier, right? So. I get it. Like for a guy who you've kind of assumed like, eh, it's 11 games. He's not going to be good. He's, he's old. You know, he's not in this future so far. All he's shown is he belongs in this lineup every single day. And to me, he's earned it. I want to see it. I'm not out here to stamp it yet. That Philip Evans is going to be this everyday major leaguer for the rest of his career, be a good player. But what I am going to say is, He's earned the ability to show me that he's not, you know, until he's out there and he's amassed 300 plate appearances or more. And he just looks lost in the plate and is awful. Then I can say, you know what? The Philip Evans experiment, the Philip, the thrill of Evans ride was fun, but it's over and I can move on, but he hasn't proved it yet. And, and I'm with you, Jim. Like there was something about Philip Evans thinking about this. And I'm like, you know what? We've already talked, you know, this whole offseason we've talked about who's going to be in this next um, run when the Pirates are good at it again and not, you know, and Philip Evans wasn't. I mean, he's older. You know, he's been this this guy that just hangs around, but he's never done, stuck anywhere. He's not giving me this next thing. And I was like, you know what? Is he maybe that next Garrett Jones? You know, as, as you brought up. Like, like Garrett Jones was with the Twins, never stuck. Now, the thing about Garrett Jones, though, is at least he did have, like, productive numbers. You know, albeit he was in AAA for a while, but he had productive numbers. Philip Evans, like, never really, like, sustained... If you look at like Evans's double A season, right? I feel like that's kind of when he broke out per se as a prospect. He was a little older, yes. right? He mm-hmm. was twenty four, but um, twenty three in double A. But he mashed double A pitching. Yes. Um, 
And then in AAA, you know, it, it didn't necessarily nece- necessarily translate into great AAA numbers, but he was always a good hitter in AAA. Like he was never he was never a bad hitter in AAA. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a guy who can he can at least at least be a league average hitter, right? Like I, I think I really think that. Um, and I mean, you even look at Zips projections and things like that. Zips thinks he's a league average hitter, right? I mean, that, that mm-hmm. that's pretty much what they've got him at. Um, and when you combine that with his versatility, and then you combine that with, you know, maybe he outperforms those projections a little bit, you know, then you've got yourself a pretty good player. You're absolutely right. In that sense. And that's what I allude to. Like yeah. when you, you compare Garrett Jones to him, and this isn't me coming out here saying like Philip Evans is, is Garrett Jones. They're different hitters. They're completely different hitters. What I'm alluding to yeah. is like you mentioned, like they both were just lost. I mean, they, they both made like this little small appearance and then were in AAA for a whole like almost entire year and then came to the Pirates and found success. Now, Garrett Jones' rookie season was, I mean, crazy. You know, we talk it was what 82 games he played, 21 home runs, like 2.7 war in those 82 games. I mean, he's basically on pace like a five yeah. war season. That rookie season was really mm-hmm. incredible. Now, afterwards, it, it was never as good as it was, but he found himself to have, at least be a part of this team through 2013. You know, he, he found that he could be part of this, this wave. And it's like, what if Philip Evans, you know, we're not going to say, and he's going to be like this five war player, he's not going to be like a three, four war player. But, like, what if he can be an average guy? Like, what if he can be someone who can stick around? Um, you know, not to the degree, like I said, Garrett Jones. Like, Garrett Jones is, like, penciling as our everyday first baseman and played right field. Like, he was a part, a focal part of this team, was he needed to be. Never really got to that level. But, like, what if Philip Evans can almost be, like, the the Jay Hay role, like the Sean Rodriguez role where he has that versatility. Now, unlike those guys were there for the defense for the most part, especially at first. He, Philip Evans could maybe there for the bat because his versatility gets in there every day. I, I kind of look at this like, what if Philip Evans could show that he can be a productive player? And because of versatility, you find ways to get his line, his bat into the lineup every day, albeit, you know, spelling Moran or whoever the future first baseman is, you know, spelling Hayes, spelling some guys in right, left field, and such. Um, and obviously, <clears throat> I'm sure by next year, the year after the DH role. <laughs> um, so, so maybe that's maybe that he does have a role in this future. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm every day that passes, I'm starting to think more and more like, hey, Evans could be, Evans could be a long term player on this roster. Like he's he's 28, yeah, but I mean the Pirates technically have control of him until he's like 34. Right. I was say, yeah, um, I mean, you don't have to worry about any contract with him, you know? <laughs> right. You don't have to worry about that. Like this, I think he's, and I said the, the versatility makes him super valuable, right? Because there's not going to be too many guys out there who can play as many positions as he is. And, and let's say he is only a league average hitter, right? There aren't too many guys who are league average hitters. who can play four or five positions. There's not. Yeah. Like every team doesn't have a league average batter or more on all the positions. So if you're looking for mm-hmm. a guy who's going to be league average, like on the bench and give you that, I mean, that's, that is, that's a benefit. That versatility yeah. is, that's why there was such value in a Sean Rodriguez, even though his bat. Mm-hmm. And again, early on, I mean, he showed that one year and even Jay hate early on, even though their bats weren't there at all, the fact that they could play everywhere 
And it, the, their value came in defense, though. Like, their defense was also mm-hmm. good. But, you know, yeah. Evans isn't at that level. But, you know, the, the, the point is you had one guy that could play everywhere. You didn't have to carry all these bench guys, you know, like a Todd Frazier. Like, if you had Todd Frazier here, he can play one position. Mm-hmm. So, if I can have Philip Evans, you can do that. Plus, go ahead and give me all these other positions. I find value in that because... You know, I don't have to find other ways to get other people's, you know, bats in on the bench or whatever. You know, I can get more creative in that sense. So yeah, I, I, I mean, all about the hype train about Philip Evans, but I'm still not ready to say, like, I'm not ready to to, to do it yet. But I, I've liked everything. I, like, I, I'm ready for him to prove me wrong. You know, yeah, I mean, it's still an incredibly him- small sample size. Yes. We're talking about 76 total plate appearances with the Pirates. Right. 76. Right. That's not a lot. <laughs> so, and, and that's yeah. why also, like, to point to Garrett Jones. <laughs> like, think about that. Even Garrett Jones gave us a whole half yeah. season and had 2.7 mm-hmm. war. You know, he was outstanding. Yeah. Over the rest of his career, it really, you know, this next season had negative 0.2 war. One war, 1.6, then negative 0.1, negative 0.5. You know, so it was like even after Garrett Jones's, what, 299 plate appearances that rookie season, he never, never equated to the same type of player. But he was at least yeah. a useful player. A lot of that players. had to do with his defense, too. Like his defense really hurt him from like a war standpoint. True. Um, I mean, he but was, even offensively, he the like part. the next year, ninety-five would runs created plus yeah. one hundred nine, one twenty-four. So that's what I'm getting. Like, like he he was yeah. he didn't hurt the team, but he was never at no. that level again. Um, and again, it comes to sample size. Like Philip Evans could also have a really good year this year, and then just be like a, a role player in the future, just what he carves out to be. But that's more than I think any of us were expecting by any means. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. Like I, I think, and and it's unfortunate that you know it took Hayes getting hurt, and now he's seeing that everyday playing time, right? But he's now gotten to the point where once Hayes comes back, like you you've got to find a spot for Philip Evans in the roster every day yes. in the lineup. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of what we talked a little bit about on Thursday, and I think now it's it's settled. Uh, you know, Thursday, because at that point mm-hmm. it was like, what, five games still, you know? I mean, yeah. it's still like nine games is still extremely small sample, <laughs> but still like this team is awful. Um, you know, at five games, the question, I think right now at this point, like it's solidified. He is in this lineup. You just have to find ways. And those ways can be at the expense of Colin Moran, who also has looked good, by the way. Colin Moran has had a very good start to his season. Third base yep. is there. Cabrian's pretty much going to lock that up but okay so one day out of the month he gets a day off that's evan yeah. um i mean you have the possibility you can play left field you can you can give you know reynolds a day off you can slide reynolds to center field you know and get his bat in there you got days off for polanco as you mentioned anytime he's facing lefties skip polanco out there put evans in um i guess because of his bat i'm gonna bring this up we haven't seen it yet but does evans now see time at second base is that is that real potential? Maybe is he forcing his way to try out second base? Because again, also we talked about how versatile he plays, and if those are like his a yeah. role carved out for him, it's probably due to that. Like, does he just get almost get forced into learning and playing second base again? So that way, you can get his bat into a lineup different ways. I mean, it may be something they try. I 
still don't know. I think there's enough. There's enough on this team though to make it so that he doesn't have to do that, right? I, I think, I think between off days for Reynolds, off days for Polanco, off days for center fielders, off days for Moran, off days for Hayes, right? Those are five positions basically that he can spell. Um, I think there's enough off days to go around mm-hmm. that you don't have to add another one in there. Because again, he hasn't played second base since 2019 in AAA, and, and it's not like he did it a lot. He he played 15 games in AAA at that at second base. So I um I tend to think that they're gonna not do that. It, it could happen, um, but I think there's enough opportunities out there for him not to have to play second base. So you trying to say he also should get? Awarded days off too, that's not right. Yeah, because the other thing too. I mean, Evan, you can give Evans an off day every every other week or so. Yeah. No, I I think I think that I don't think you have to play him at second base. Could it happen? Yeah, but I, I don't think we're to the point where that has to happen yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I I, I tend I can go both ways on this. I, w- I would like to see it because also like if there's going to be a year where you find out if you can still play second, it's this year. <laughs> right. Maybe it yeah. happens more if, if Adam Frazier is eventually traded, but um, you are also correct. Like there is enough ways you can to get his his bat into this lineup without having to be second base, um, especially right field and center field. Like those are two positions right now where, I mean, obviously Evans won't play center, but if Fowler and Alford aren't performing, which, then you can just bump Reynolds right. over to center, and Evans can play left. So. Um, yeah, I think there's plenty, there's plenty of opportunities to get him into the, into the lineup. I like it. So thrill up Evans, your everyday player for the rest of this year, right? Exactly. Okay. We're not, that's not us saying he's going to be a good player, but I think he's an everyday player now. I mean, it just says more of this this team, but he's earned it and I'm ready to see it. Give me more thrill ups. All right. Two more hits last night. Yes. So with that said, um, anything else that you want to touch on? Wrap up here. And that's good. Um, the three and seven Pirates take on the eight and three Padres tonight. See if they can uh, I'd like to see them take one game this series. Well, it's Seeing gonna... Musgrove, uh, we, we won't talk before that, but Musgrove starts tomorrow. So Musgrove will come back right after the the, the no hitter. See if he can, uh, you know, do two in a row maybe. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure I'm sure the Pirates will do something for Musgrove as far as like, they did oh, something sure. for Trevor Williams on Sunday. So they'll do something for Musgrove tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm anxiously waiting that game. And I mean, obviously, we know Mitch Kello is going to beat Chris Paddock. So that's the one game we're hoping for two. That's true. There's going to be there's going to yeah, be another game they sneak out somewhere. So maybe I, hope, um, I hope there's like a deep, like I know it's not going to be crazy because it's a Wednesday evening game in April, but the, if it can be like a somewhat decent crowd, like a, I, don't know, I feel like Musgrove deserves a standing well, ovation. I, I almost be, feel yeah. because of, of course, all the circumstances, like that's the game that people are going to do. It's not because mm-hmm. they want to see Joe Musgrove, which many do. I mean, many will be there because Joe's back yeah. and they get to see him. Um, <laughs> 
but I feel there's going to be definitely the the Yenzer crowd that's going to be out there. To, I'm going to get to see a no hitter against the Pirates tonight. So go Joe <laughs> Musgrove, right? It's yeah, it's more right, cynical right. in the sense that I'm going to watch the Pirates no, get no hit tonight. Let me get out there and yeah, see. Yeah, there will probably be a few of those in the crowd. Oh, I'm sure. And then there's going to be some wooers out there, and I hate you all. <laughs> yeah, the wooers. The wooers are back. That was that was the best part about empty stadiums was no wooers. Yes, yes. I, I, I half-jokingly said that. I was like, we need to ban the fans again. Uh, as much as, you know, it, it's it was a weird season last year, and it stunk and had its moments where it was bad. Um, I realized I was thankful for that. There were no wooers there. So that was good. So baseball's back. Fans are back. Good. Wooers are also back. Sucks. All right. I guess we'll end on that. Sure. Note. So uh, we'll see you again um, later. I'll be back tomorrow, actually, on Denaro's Dugout. So we're all switching. Denaro's Dugout will be Wednesdays now. Starbucks again is on Tuesdays. And then uh, we'll be back on NSN Live after the Thursday night game, after Mitch Keller gets his win, his no-hitter. <laughs> All right. I'll see y'all later. Bye-bye. See you guys.